0: Welcome to The Automators. I'm David Sparks and joined by Rosemary Orchard. And this is The Automators where we talk about how to automate your technology to do your work for you. Hi, Rose.
1: Hey, David. How are you?
0: Excellent. Uh, Today we are going to be talking about image automation. Both of us Mm -hmm. have a bunch of different stuff we do to automate images and we thought it'd be fun to share that and we're going to be running the gamut today multiple platforms multiple automation systems this is going to be a fun one if you do anything with photos hopefully you'll learn a few tricks today and um, in the bonus section automators max we are going to be covering uh, the evolution of our podcast automation nerdery rose has gone completely over the deep end on some stuff she's doing and we're going to talk through that and, uh, and, you know, always tempt me to follow her over the cliff because that's what Rose does so well. I mean,
1: is your home really smart if it's not reading your calendar to figure out when you're supposed to be podcasting?
0: Yeah, there you go. Is it? These is questions it really? and
1: others may be answered or not later.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to talk about that in Automator's Max today. But but the the focus today is is image automation. And we've had this one on the list for a while because both of us have this, like, bizarre collection of little tools we do to deal with images. And I think that's true for a lot of people. I mean, there are folks listening to the show that are professional photographers and they've got really expansive, you know, automation stuff built out in the Lightroom or, or Photoshop. That's not really where we're going today. We're dealing more with the way people have different types of images and ways to just make that easier with automation because it's not easy to do this stuff manually. It's always hard to remember what the buttons you're supposed to push are. And it takes a lot of time. And I feel like this is an area that is absolutely ripe for automation.
1: Yes, definitely. And I think it's one of those things where there are so many different areas of this that we're probably going to end up doing like 16 episodes to cover this in total. Because as we were you know, preparing for the show, I was looking at it and going, okay, well, depending on what we're talking about with images – like if we we kind of look at this as a, a bigger media thing, you've got um, screenshots and you've got photos and then you've got like maybe a picture that you took for reference. Like the other day uh, I um, was trying to buy some hooks to fit over my doors. Um, and so I measured my door and I photographed like, my door with the tape measure on it yeah. so that i would know which door it was with that measurement and i you know i wrote it down as well but then i've got this reference picture and then on top of that you know it's it's not technically an image but you've got video that you record as well which you know it, it's not technically images but because it tends to be recorded on the same device it usually ends up lumped into the same category for processing later and so you know it, it, it you've also got you know all the different devices that you may take images on and so on and so forth which you know, can make it really tricky to actually get started. And this is one of the reasons why I think image automation is such a a useful tool, even if it's just something um, relatively simple like what my dad does, which is at the end of the year, he takes all the pictures that he's taken throughout the year, regardless of what camera it's on, and he renames them all. Um, And he's just using Finder's built-in rename for this, by the way. Um, And he just, um, you know, gets it to, to just set the file name to the date and time that the picture was taken. That's yeah. it. And 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 then it's really simple. Um and and you know cuz he's just sorted it in Finder by the date time column and he just renames it. And you know what? It it works great. And Finder has a batch rename and screenshots on Mac have got customizations and I feel like those are a really good place to start.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like there is a lot to this. You know when you're talking about reference photos, it's really remarkable to me how nice that is to now have a camera and video camera with you at all times. I mean, I was fixing the toilet the other day, you know, I mean, because that's what you do when you're a homeowner. And, like, there was a thing in the water closet behind it, and I wasn't sure what I needed to replace. So I took, like, four pictures, went to the hardware store, showed him the pictures, and like, ah. And he takes me right over and says, this is what you need. And it's like, you know, 10 years ago or – or, or longer, that was just not a thing, right? You would go mm-hmm. in and try and describe it or you'd rip the toilet apart and bring parts in with you. And that, now it's just so much easier. And I do think people don't think about that enough. Like we, um, we make frequent trips to Disneyland as you do when you live in Southern California and your wife works for the company. And um, I always take a picture of the parking spot. Every time I go, I stop and take a yep. picture of the parking spot. And then every time I go, I see people walking around when I leave. I see people walking around scratching their head saying, where did we park? And they don't know, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Disney's really smart. They this is like an automation tube, by the way. They track where they are parking people by every 10 minutes. Like they're like, oh, you what time did you arrive at? If you arrived at 10 15, you were on the Mickey level in the C row. You know, they they figure it out for you because people are dumb. But I don't ever need that because I take a picture. And that, that's kind of cool. But that also creates a lot of images in your photo gallery that you probably don't want to keep forever.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there is a couple of different ways around that. And I think we'll probably get to that when we when we talk about, you know, our favorite ways to deal with this later. Yeah. Um, but spoiler, shortcuts definitely comes into play here because yeah. you don't need to keep these images forever. So, you know, you can just have them dumped into a specific folder. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's surprisingly uh, useful. Actually, uh, I'm going to recommend this as uh, a feature the, um, or a, a tip for people looking to do any image automation. Um, if you use the Photos app on iOS, and even if you don't really use the Photos app on iOS, if you go to the Albums tab and you scroll down and scroll, scroll, scroll to uh, Utilities, and then you see Duplicates, you'll be able to see... Yeah, duplicate photos. Um, and it will allow you to just quickly go through and merge things so that you can be like, yes, I want uh, these two exact copies to be merged and so on. And I think that that sort of stuff is a really good way to get started when it comes to just cleaning out the basics. Now, obviously, if you've got thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of duplicate images here, you may not want to do it on your iPhone. You may want to do it on a, a bigger device or a more powerful device or using other software. Um, but things like that are a really good place to get started. And I, I have to say, David, I've been really impressed with, you know, the number of features built into iOS and macOS that can make a handling and wrangling and creating these things much easier.
0: Yeah. It's kind of surprising. This is a new feature. In fact, I would say that one of the first grounds or first automation tools for people with using images is the photos app because this app has evolved so much over the years in fact this duplicate feature i believe just came out this year i don't think that i think this is when they first added it if memory serves and the um i remember the first time i loaded it there were like thousands of duplicates in there but now Mm. it's all handled for me and that's because you know i'm married and my wife and i share photos and you know this you inevitably get duplicates in your library when you got a house full of people um, but now it's very manageable and I can go in there and, and check it on my phone. But uh, that used to be a whole thing, right? We we would have had to write some custom script or get a special app. And now you just go into the Photos app, find duplicates, and it does an excellent job. It shows you when the sizes are different. So you kind of, you know, figure out where you're going with it. And, you know, you're off to the races. In fact, I, yeah. I, let's nominate that as our first automation the find Duplicates button.
1: Yes, yes. Um, and um, as a follow-up to that for anybody who is looking for something perhaps a little bit more powerful or a, a different way of doing things, I'm going to also recommend Gemini by MacPaw. Um, uh, I should note they're the creators of SetApp who are sponsoring this episode, but that's not why I'm recommending this. So Gemini on iPhone and iPad is specifically looking at image duplication, and it really tries to be very smart about it. Um, and it's all local and on device and everything. Um, and then if you are looking at Gemini on the Mac, which is included in setup, which is sponsoring the show, um, then um, you can just do duplicates of like all the files, but th- that includes your photos. And that could be a very useful tool to quickly go through and just power on and be like, okay, and I'm done with this, um, which you know is uh, definitely a good place to get started.
0: Yeah. There, there are some other automations built into the Photos app that people don't realize are there and you know i've always loved smart lists you know mac or the apple team on the mac historically has done this great job we've talked about it on the show in fact i'm assuming your dad might be using some smart lists when he's doing his uh his annual work
1: Not my dad's using adobe bridge um okay so okay yeah Yeah, he's not even using Lightroom. He's using Adobe Bridge. Um, And uh, Adobe Bridge does actually have a built-in rename function. But uh, I I got him onto the Finder version a while ago because I thought Bridge might be disappearing and I didn't want his workflows to break. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad that, uh, you know, Finder can do a heck of a lot as well.
0: Well, it's always bugged me that iPhone and iPad don't get those smart list features basically in any Apple app, like in Apple mail, you can create smart mail lists and, you know, in photos you can do stuff, but, but they don't, while they don't give you that on the iPhone and iPad, they do make their own for you on the iPhone and iPad. And just like finding duplicates you can find in the photos app. I would also recommend going through and taking a look at, at the image uh, smart lists. And you find all sorts, like if you just want to see portrait mode photos, you can do that. And, and that really does help, kind of cool the herd a bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things as well where um, you know looking at things like, for example, if you just go to the screenshots um, section, then you've got all of those. But also looking at faces, um, and if you go through and you're like, wait a second, who is this person, um, and why why is their picture here? Then you can tap on on that person, and you'll see you know all the pictures that they're in, um, and that may be useful for you know culling some pictures um if that's what you want to do. But um, you know, it, it it can also just be a nice way to revisit your pictures um and and see what's there. But I certainly find that this this can be quite useful, especially when you've got a, a picture of something that's misidentified as a person. Happens very rarely. Um, but yeah, when, when you do that and you're like, ah, okay, right, well this is not a person and I took 17 screenshots of the floor uh, or 17 pictures of the floor when I was in the hardware store. Uh so I'm just gonna go ahead and delete those. Yeah. Exactly,
0: so there's your first automation gang. Go in the Photos mm-hmm. app, and and you can do this stuff on your phone just as easily as you can do it on your Mac. So, um, it, it's just quite handy. And I, uh, and I overall am uh, I continue to be impressed with Apple's attempt to make photo management easier for people with the Photos app when it first came out. You know, it took a lot of heat. You know, um, iPhoto was a very beloved. And I would argue that while it never has got to the level that Aperture was, which was Apple's, you know, historic power up, um, Photos is on its own now and it's fine for most people. Yes. Man, yeah. I might get a lot of email about saying that. I don't know.
1: Uh, I, d- I don't know. I think for a lot of people um, it, it it is, you know, it the right kind of thing because it is just very simple and, Easy to work with, um, but that that doesn't mean to say that it is like the right tool. It's certainly not the world's best power tool, but it's surprisingly it's it's got a lot of hidden features under the hood, which is definitely worth uh, considering uh, when you're when you're looking into this stuff. Yeah. Um. And uh. Yeah. And speaking of which, you know, um. Like before we before we dive into our personal recommendations, um. I am actually also going to talk about the macOS screenshots app. Because with macOS Ventura, we actually got an app on our, on our devices called Screenshots. And when you activate this, um, uh, which you would do usually with Command Shift uh, 3 or Command Shift 5, um, if you want to get all of the options, yeah. um, then you can actually click on like an options button. And you can say, okay, I want to save this to documents. Or I want to put this image on the clipboard when I'm done with it. Or save it and send it to mail, put it in messages, open it in preview or other location. And you can even do like, you know, timer or five ten- seconds, 10 seconds. Show the mouse pointer, don't show the mouse pointer. Um, floating thumbnail, not floating thumbnail. Uh, and uh, remembering your last selections for this stuff. Um, and it will also do recordings as well. Um, and that can be just, um, you know... A really good place to um, start with all this stuff because you know I I have my own preferred app for taking screenshots, but the macOS screenshots app is also pretty nice. And um, you know, there's uh, also the option which isn't shown anywhere in uh, the screenshots app. I'm not quite sure why. Um, but you know what? We'll 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 just pretend that everything's fine and that all of the options are there. Uh but if you use the terminal, you can even change like the name and the type of the picture that's taken so that you can, you know, have whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I prefer to have PNGs um as my uh format for screenshots. I'm not sure about you, David, but I find PNGs are often better. They they tend to be uh high quality with not taking up huge amounts of space. And but they, also and they um, give
0: you more options, you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh I will also link to um the uh, uh blog post. This is from 2015 originally, but don't worry, Fox, it's been updated in 2022 um to uh, change the the name of screenshots on 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 the Mac um because you, you need to go into the terminal and it's defaults right, um, and then you it's com dot apple dot screen capture and then you can set the name um and then you have to restart something. Um, and, um, yeah, that will allow you to change, um, like the, the name of the screenshot if you wanted to, which can be really useful if you need something like Hazel to pick it up later. Um, but there's also links there to how to remove the shadow effect, um, and, uh, change the file format. So, uh, yeah, that, that can be quite useful. And I have to say, you know, um, I feel like actually the name of an image, uh, you know, it, we're, we're not quite Shakespeare here, but naming files the right way is actually important, um. Because if I haven't got my files named the right way, I am not going to find them later. number of times I've opened up shortcuts and f- found like shortcut, shortcut one, shortcut 2 and <laughs> yeah. gone, wait, what What was happening here? What was I doing? Was I just messing around with something? Or, uh, you know, did something go wrong with the sync? It's usually that I was messing around with stuff and not paying attention. Um, but, you know, unnamed things or badly named things are really difficult to, to work with. So if you've got all of your screenshots named in a way that makes sense for you, uh, then that's definitely a nice way to start cleaning them up. And of course, if you just stick them on your clipboard, they don't even need a name.
0: Yeah. And they have continued to improve that feature. Um, I guess since we're talking about it, uh, in addition, to Command Shift, the number four gives you a crosshair where you can drag and take a screenshot of yeah. like a selected section. But the real trick there is the space bar. If you hit the space bar, then it takes a picture of the window under which you are uh, the mouse is.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you press space, and then you select the window. And when you select the window, it takes a screenshot of that window. It's so good.
0: That doesn't always give you 100% results. Sometimes if there's a modal window on top of it or something, you know, usually you'll see when you do it what it's actually grabbing, but sometimes it doesn't get quite everything you want. In that case, you need to revert to the crosshair. And the other bit of that is it always puts a drop shadow underneath it, but there is a terminal command. Uh, that you have to dig out and run, and that'll take the shadow out if you want. This episode of The Automator's Podcast is brought to you by Issue. Go to issue.com slash podcast and get started with Issue today for free or sign up for an annual premium account and get 50% off. Whether you work for yourself or you're part of a team, it's time to get creative. Make your online presence and your business stand out from the rest with Issue. Issue is the all in one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content, from marketing materials and magazines to catalogs and portfolios and so much more. There's no need for endless scrolling through PDFs. Issue features your digital content in an easy to view way on every device. Make it once and distribute it everywhere without reformatting. Your content is automatically optimized for engagement and ready to share, which saves you so much time. Issue also works seamlessly with the tools you already use and love, like Canva, Dropbox, MailChimp, and InDesign. I make stuff for multiple platforms all the time, and it is a pain in the neck. Do I have the size right? Are the colors going to work? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Issue solves that whole problem for you. You put the asset into Issue, you pick where you want it to go, and it does all that reformatting for you. I would recommend this to anyone that's putting digital content out into the world and doesn't want to waste their time. Now, content on issue can be published as public or private. Private only allows users with a shared link to view it. And public content will be available for your audience, and it will be available for others to discover on the issue platform. And this is cool. The platform also provides statistics on how your content is being consumed so you can learn more about your audience with data on impressions, clicks on the content, duration spent reading, pages viewed, and more. Issue helps creators, marketers, designers, and really anyone who wants to make content that stands out. Get started with Issue today for free or sign up for an annual premium account and get 50% off when you go to issueissuu.com slash podcast and use the promo code automators. That's issueissuu.com slash podcast and use promo code automators at checkout for your free starter account or 50% off an annual premium account. One more time, issue.com slash podcast, promo code automators. Our thanks to Issue for their support of the Automators Podcast and all of Relay FM.
1: So, David, uh, you know, we were we were talking about screenshots um, and, you know, the the next thing officially in the outline is my favorites. So I, I, I'm just going to take care of the show for now. Um, but uh, I feel like one of the things we have to talk about here is CleanShot, because CleanShot is a great screenshot tool for Mac. But I personally feel like it's an automation tool as well, because the number of times I don't create a file because I didn't need one because I was using CleanShot is actually pretty high. And. Not needing to organize a file that I didn't need, um, or get rid of a file that I didn't need is definitely, you know, that's automation basics zero. Don't 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 have things that you don't need, um, you know. So if you don't waste, uh, you know, you don't waste all your time organizing or right, creating Hazel rules to delete stuff. So uh, I'm using CleanShot. I'm guessing you're also using CleanShot because it's a great app. Um, and uh, yeah, we should we should talk about this.
0: Yeah, I mean the best way to manage a file is not have a file, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, clean shot. I I was resistant to it because I was so good at using the built-in screenshot tools. I thought I was a pro, and I'm like, look, I know all the tools. Then uh, I believe it was a year and a half ago, Apple released the their. Their screenshot app, which which picked up even more features that we we just got done talking about. I'm like, well, I don't need that clean shot thing, but I was already a set app subscriber. It's part of set app, so I went ahead and downloaded it and immediately saw that this is superior to the built in yeah. Apple tools. And uh, like Rose was saying, one of the, let's just talk about some of the ways I feel this is an automation tool. Uh, one of the things is you can set a destination to a screenshot. Uh, just like Rose was saying, so you don't have to save the file. And that's huge.
1: Yes, yeah. So um, just uh, for clarity for folks, just like when you take uh, a screenshot on iOS and it appears and it hovers in the lower left-hand corner for a little bit, and you know, CleanShot has this as well on the Mac, and then depending on what settings you use, um, it can hover around in that bottom left corner on the Mac for as long as you like, um, or, for example, until you interact with it. Um, and this is one of the things I love because the number of times I, um, am talking to somebody and they're like, I, I don't see this thing. Like, where is this thing that I need to click on? So what do I do? I take a screenshot. Okay. And probably command shift four for this. Maybe I take a screenshot of the whole window with space. Yes. I've set a uh, clean shot up to use the exact same, um, uh, keyboard shortcuts as the, the built in uh, screenshot tool. Um, and then, okay. So I've got my screenshot and it appears and it hovers in the lower left-hand corner and then I click on it, and that is where uh, you get uh, get the options. Because when you mouse over it to click on it, um, you, you get uh, sort of uh, some some icons appearing as an overlay. So there's close, there's pin to keep it around for a while. There's upload if you want to use it uh, with the cloud upload service, um, and there's a pencil in the bottom left. In the middle, there's also copy and delete. But we'll come back to those in a minute. But if I click on the pencil, then I get a really you know nifty little built in animation tool with arrows. Uh, there's like a blur something out, so you can just, you know, drag and it'll just pixelate whatever's behind it. Great for, for uh, you know, information that you don't want to keep. Um, you can even add more images on top. Okay, so you can add screenshots and things like that. And this little built-in tool is really, really useful um, because you can also, um, you know, just uh, not, you know, you, you, you don't have to then... Save the image when, you, when you're done, you can save the image. There's also a drag me option at the bottom. Um, but, but the done just puts it back as that little floating icon in the bottom left. Um, and also there's a share icon um, pin and, and, and copy as well, so that you can you can just keep those. And the number of times that I use this, um, and then you know I, I, I've done everything that I need to do um, and, and then I can just delete the, delete the image and I'm done. It's, it's huge. Uh, and that for me has been a humongous time saver, like humongous, um, and, uh, yeah, uh, the, the other things that, uh, I I've done, um, which, um, definitely worth looking at in, in the clean main general preferences, um, there is, uh, an after capture section where, um, you can check which options you want to happen after capture and you can set them separately for screenshots and recordings. So if you occasionally do like a video recording of your your desktop, like you can have that do different things to what uh, a screenshot does, which is very, very useful. And also I love the fact that I can hide my desktop icons while capturing because every so often I'll, I'll chuck a bunch of stuff on my desktop um, and it will disappear after 24 hours. But, you know, I don't want it in my screenshots. So the fact that I can customize this and just have them be hidden is is really nice.
0: Yeah. So there there's so much... To this app, it, it reminds me of Better Touch Tool in the sense that it feels like it started as a screenshot app, and the developer just went crazy with it and just mm-hmm. keeps, keeps adding things. I mean, um, one of the things they do is they make it really easy uh, to have you replace the built-in screen uh, shortcut, the uh, screenshot shortcuts that we were talking about yeah. before the break. So, you have to do that in the keyboard settings because they're all kind of on the system level, but there is, it, it walks you through it. It's not, not difficult. And then you can have it take over and you just get all those benefits. Uh, one of the things Rose was talking about that I do is I have it copy any screenshot to the clipboard immediately. Yeah. And
1: yeah, yeah. Same. And Same. then
0: so that kind of allows me to avoid saving and dealing with files so often those screenshots are just for me to email it to someone or put it in a Slack or whatever uh, when I'm working with a developer or when Rose and I are planning the show and I just find that really nice and simple um, another thing I mean it it does OCR I mean I didn't even know it did that so I started digging through the settings for, for uh, today's recording Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one of my favorite features is that it has the ability to hide all the icons on your desktop. And you combine that with very robust shortcut support. So what I've done is I have attached a shortcut, Control-F10, to toggle the desktop icons. And we just got done talking about this a bit on Mac Power Users, and I released a YouTube video on it, so I'll put it in the links for the show today. But when I set up to do screencasting... Um, I change the screen resolution, I hide a bunch of stuff in the menu bar, and I hide the, the stuff on my desktop. And all I'm doing is sending through keyboard maestro a command, which is control F10, which is going to clean shot and saying hide his icons, you know, hide everything on his desktop. It's just not, yeah. you know, it, it it just takes a problem that would require intricate scripting and, you know, some kind of shenanigans. And it just breaks it down to a single keyboard shortcut. And uh, that's what I love about CleanShot. Not only did they come up with the tools, they allowed you to build your own triggers to trigger the tools. And, you know, you can automate the whole screenshotting process really, really deeply with CleanShot X, I, I can't believe how much I resisted this app and how quickly I realized, man, that was dumb. I should have been using this the whole time.
1: Yes. Yeah, same. Um, and another thing that I want to mention that is built into CleanShot, which I'm sure some of you are going to go, wait, what, this exists? Is um, there's a screenshot history. So... Some of you may be familiar with uh, apps that support clipboard history. So, for example, I use Alfred um, to manage my clipboard history. Keyboard Master also has this built in. Where essentially what you can do is if you've copied a number of things, you can go back to a previous thing that you've copied to repaste it. Well, CleanShot also has a screenshot history built in. Um, and this is accessible from the menu bar. If you go to the the, the menu bar icon and you click it, uh, and then you click to, you know, screenshot history, uh, I believe it's called, uh, capture history, sorry, uh, it's capture history, then it'll show you all of the things, and then there's also, you can filter for just screenshots, just videos, or um, just animated images, um, and so you can, you can also customize in screenshot how long you want to keep stuff for. I actually have stuff set to three days, um, just because, um, you know, I'll I'll go through uh, phases of taking lots of screenshots and then I won't take any screenshots at all. Um, but this can be very very useful, especially if you're somebody who doesn't want to keep the images when you are um, when when you when you save your screenshots or when you take your screenshots. If by default you don't keep your images, I definitely recommend turning on that or in, um, increasing your capture history because it will uh, definitely make your life a little bit easier. But yeah, it, it is such a useful tool, so I, I have to recommend it. It is great, um, and uh, also makes it uh, nice and easy to you know you can turn off the sounds that happen when you take a screenshot. Uh, and uh, I don't don't know if you can do that with the macOS built-in uh, screenshot app. I don't feel like you can, but I like the fact that I don't have to have it enabled. Yeah. Uh, on particularly my work machine because it's my work machine and I'm in the office and then there's this loud shutter sound of yeah. <sighs> and everyone <laughs> sort of turns around and looks and it's like, what are you taking pictures of? It's like, I'm, I'm not, I just took a screenshot. Um, yeah. But uh, yes, yeah, so I have that turned off now, of course, uh, on my work machine. So yeah, uh, I, have to, I have to recommend CleanShot. Uh, go play with all of the features and then forget about them and then go back like a week later and play with everything again. Uh, is definitely what I recommend.
0: Yeah. Okay. One last cute little feature that I love is that you can have it, cause usually when you take it with the crosshair and you take a picture of a window and there's a um and there's a desktop behind it, right? You get you get a little bit of the desktop. If you want, you can have it take that and remove the desktop and just make it transparent. I mean, just like so many yeah. nice little touches so you can really kind of dial this process in. I guess we're saying go check out screenshot or clean X. If you want, if you do a lot of screenshots, I often wonder, is that just like a podcaster, or like blogger thing that we take so many screenshots or are people out in the world taking a lot of screenshots too?
1: I, I was about to say, I feel like a lot of people take a lot of screenshots, and then yeah. I realize that my day job is developers and testers. Yeah. So the people I interact with most of the time are people going, this doesn't work, and somebody sending a different image back going, but it does work. Um, and yeah. so that that's possibly a little biased. But I do know my parents use screenshots um, quite a bit, especially uh, my dad will take a screenshot and send it to me and say, what is this? Um, which, you know, uh, isn't always the most helpful thing because... Uh, he he's usually forgetting to tell me the name of the app that he's in, which is something I've never heard of, but at the very least I've got a picture so I can, I can take a guess at what it might be.
0: And I I can tell you that like we had, uh, since we last recorded Rose, the car failed our, our, Mm -hmm. our nice car that we, it's all paid for um, gave up the ghost. So we had to get a new car and I negotiated the deal largely over the telephone with the dealerships and they were sending me images all the time and I was screenshotting and sending them stuff back. And, um, it, it reminded me that, yeah, people who don't make their living doing stuff with the internet actually take screenshots too. So, yeah. And my kids do it a lot too. Like for school stuff, they're always taking screenshots. So yeah, if you're out there and you take more than a few screenshots a month, you, you probably owe it to yourself to install clean X.
1: Yes. Yeah. I have to say, actually, one thing I, I realized uh, the other day when I was talking to my mom is that, you know, sometimes on a website, you can't copy the images like they've got it set up so that you can't like right click on an image to copy yeah. it or whatever. Um, and, um, you know, because, you know, the people who are creating these websites are like, yeah, we don't want people copying our images. That That's not going to happen. Uh, so my mom works around this by just taking a screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, completely defeats their, their aim. Um, and so there we go.
0: It's so dumb. You know, I I don't know how you do that. How do you not have people take shots? Everybody figures that out. All right, Rose, but there's more to it than just screenshots. We talked at the top of the show that there's different media types that involve images. Can we use automation to sort that mess out for us?
1: Yeah, we can. So one of the things I've done, um, and I I used uh, CleanShot for this because it exposes all the settings that you can change on the Mac uh, Screenshots app without having to dig through the terminal. Um, So I've changed the name of all of my screenshots and screen recordings, and I've saved where they get saved when I choose to save them so that they go into my Downloads folder. Because Hazel watches my Downloads folder. Hazel does also watch my desktop, but I, I don't like having loads of screenshots there. I find the Downloads folder is great. It's in my dock. Can click on it, I can see like the most recent thing and and drag it off wherever if I I have saved something. Um and interrupt there. Let me just ask.
0: Do you have Hazel sorting into subfolders in the download folder? What's it doing in the download folder?
1: So Hazel's primary job in my downloads folder is to delete things. Uh because if it's in my downloads folder, I probably don't need to keep it. Yeah. Um and so it goes into my downloads folder. My downloads folder is in my doc, so I can easily drag stuff to, you know, other locations when they need to be kept. Yeah. Hazel will watch for things that need to be kept and move them to the right place because, you know, Hazel knows about a lot of this stuff. If I download, like, a payslip, obviously that's going to go get saved. Fortunately, those are PDFs, not images, so we don't need to talk about those today. Yeah. Um, but um. basically, you know, Hazel uh, will keep screen recordings around for a week and screenshots around for two days. Um, in general, um, there, there are some, like I, I've settled on this because two days I found is like enough time that if I've taken a screenshot or something and then, um, you know, I, I, I realize, you know, I, and I think, okay, that I'll, I'll keep it because I might need it. You know, it's, it's not usually the same day that I need it. It's when I'm following up on something the next day, it's like ah yeah, and you need that. So obviously, I could go get it out with a clean shot history. But if I made the point of actually clicking the save button, I figured keeping it around for two days is good. And screen recordings, um, you know, they, they, a week seemed reasonable. I don't take many screen recordings. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So so those stick around for a week, um, and then they disappear, um, unless they get renamed uh, in some way, um, which rarely happens. But um, you know, if if I if I rename them to something else um then they they will probably get moved um as part of that but yeah so i i start with uh hazel in the downloads folder to just get rid of the things so that you know usually uh, screenshots and so on don't don't need to be kept for me i don't know about you but a lot of the time um you know unless i'm doing something like writing an update for take control um i'm not going to keep my screenshots and if i am writing an update for take control of shortcuts then i'm going to move those screenshots when i've taken them Um, which is when Hazel will then, you know, hop in and rename things for me.
0: Yeah. No, I'm the same way. I, they, they don't last long for me. Uh, quite often they get incorporated into some other sort of media or they get published and I don't need them. Um, I do have, uh, I do have an occasional need. My my rule requires the word screenshot to delete it. Um, and like, like when I was doing the car thing, I was, I would go in there and change their name so they didn't get deleted. Um, you also have the ability with clean shot uh, to have it prompt you for a name every time, but I don't do that because I rename them very infrequently and I don't want to have to do it every time just because I do it once in a while.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that that's the, uh, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, it, you need easy ways to handle this stuff as is appropriate for, for you and the thing that you're doing. So one of the things I will do um, is when I am writing, say, an update to take control of shortcuts, um, I put a shortcut in my doc. Um, and then when I take a screenshot and I click save, um, or if I don't click save, I can just grab it from the little preview icon, yeah. um, I can drag it onto the shortcut, and then that shortcut will ask me what I want to name it to, uh, make sure it gets lowercased and everything and, and, and uh, you know, no spaces in the name, and stick it in the right folder for me. Um, and so it doesn't matter where, where I grab that screenshot from, it's going to move that to the right location. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things where I don't usually keep stuff in my doc for things like that. But, you know, for the couple of weeks or a month or so that I'm working on that, I'm very happy to take up a doc space for a particular shortcut so that I can easily rename these files and then it can go away again. But those those shortcuts will prompt me to do you know, the renaming, it's also available under the the right click quick actions option. Um, But, you know, it depends on depends on how I'm interacting with something as to, you know, what I want to do. Um, But yeah, there, you know, it's, I find it's very like having a a good basic file name. is not just critical for, you know, image automation, it feels like it's a a really basic foundation stone for a lot of automation. Um, And, you know, sometimes you need something to name something right, which is where the OCR, Built into a screenshot could happen, um, but maybe you can also just start by giving it the name of whatever it is that makes sense. Screenshot with perhaps the device name on, even if you uh, share your downloads folder between devices.
0: Yeah, um, I, I promise we're going to stop talking about clean shot soon, <laughs> but you know, just just kind of finish these threads. I have another app that I use in a similar fashion. It's called Drop Zone. And in yes. Drop Zone, it also is what I would consider to be an automation tool. It goes in your menu bar. It's a little arrow. And you can have on there basically a saved clipboard. So as an example, when I make the um, the videos for the Max Barkay Labs, the intro and outro are 4K images that I animate on top of. I've got those in Drop Zone. And then there's like a little a music hit. And all of those are there. And I can drag them into like ScreenFlow or Final Cut or wherever I'm working when i need them so they're just always in my menu bar but there's also these automation routines you can build where and they're very they're very rudimentary but this stuff is really helpful like um i've got one for what i call the action folder which is where hazel does most work for me as opposed to download it does stuff in downloads but action is where the action is right and uh uh, so if i if i take a screenshot or any image And I just drag it onto drop zone and put it on the action folder. Then that's like the secondary backup where it goes, Mm -hmm. where it doesn't get auto deleted. Um, uh, So I copy, I'm sorry, I move to action folder because wherever it's coming from. I just want to put it there, but then there's somewhere I copy to it. Like if I do want to on my desktop, I do occasionally use the desktop as some workspace. It copies the file there. It doesn't move it there. And these are little switches you can throw inside drop zone, but when you combine those two apps together, it actually is quite automation uh, adjacent, if not full-on yeah. automation.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, and, you know, Dropzone is um, it's, it's one of those tools where it's definitely an automation app. So one of the things I have in Dropzone, not for images, I'll grant you, uh, but related to the downloads folder, is install application. So I can drag any application that I've downloaded from my downloads folder to the install, and it'll just go ahead and do it and get rid of the original file. Um, and there, it's definitely a useful automation tool. I feel like it's also a very friendly automation tool for people who are not that tech savvy. You know, that doesn't mean to say that you you can't be tech savvy to use it. I use it, so you know, I, I, I happily write my own scripts for it. But I wouldn't expect most people to do that. But the fact that you can see what you're doing, so you pick something up and you drag it to the drop zone um you know icon in the menu bar and then you you drop it on the thing and you, you see what's happening there's progress bars and things like that it's the sort of thing that makes people who are a little bit wary of some of these automations a lot more comfortable because you can see what's happening and you're very much in control and stuff isn't magically happening in the background um so yeah don't forget you can also put sh- shortcuts in drop zone so you can drag things onto the drop zone where there's a shortcut that runs, um, which is yet another way I do to take control of uh, uh, shortcuts renaming yeah. uh, when I do that. So, yeah, um, you know, all of the ways to do something, because whatever way I've set up previously is not necessarily the way my brain is good, to choose to do in that moment. And uh, especially when you're doing something, you know, I, I, I find with images, David, I go through phases where I'll be doing a lot of something for, for, for a bit. It could be a couple of weeks, could be a month, and then I won't do, touch it again for, you know, 10 months. And then I'll be back and I'll, I'll need to do the same thing again. So for that sort of thing, I have a lot of automations available or I have the same automation available in a lot of places, I should say, just because that way I don't have to remember whatever workflow I was using before. I can use whatever workflow is most comfortable for me in that moment and get the same results.
0: And that's one of the beauties about automation is that it's once you've created the the logic of it or the workflow of it, it's easy to put it in a lot of different places.
1: You've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy. But choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. There are tons of VPN providers out there, but there's a reason I use ExpressVPN and why we have them as a sponsor. They're really good. Here's why. Number one, ExpressVPN doesn't log your activity online. Lots of VPNs may make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN doesn't do this. They even developed a technology, trusted server, that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. Number two, speed. ExpressVPN now uses Lightway, a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. Sometimes VPNs can slow your connection, but ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and users stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. The last thing that sets ExpressVPN apart is how easy it is to use. You don't need any technical skills to set it up, just fire up the app and tap one button to connect, that's it. I've been using ExpressVPN for years and it's really easy to use, whether it's because I want to check out something that was on Netflix and I was on holiday and I can't keep watching it at home, or maybe my mom actually just needs to check the lottery numbers back here in the UK for a ticket that she bought while she was over here. Don't worry, folks. Um, And she desperately wants to know she won. Well, you should use ExpressVPN if you need to check out some content that's not available in your country. And Cena, The Verge, Business Insider, and many other tech journals rate ExpressVPN the number one VPN in the world. So protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. Go to expressvpn.com slash automators today and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash automators. And visit expressvpn.com slash automators to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of the show and all of Really FM.
0: All right, Rose, let's talk a little bit about automation we're applying to images that are not screenshots and, you know, just kind of the day-to-day stuff. Um for me, I feel like sh- the Shortcuts app is is this is one thing Shortcuts is really good at. You know, we hear from people asking, you know, which automation platform should I learn? And my answer is all of them because that's my thing, but you don't need to master all of them, but you should be at least familiar with what they're good at. And to me, Shortcuts really Really um, simplified doing automation stuff on your photos for a couple of reasons. the first is Apple included a decent set of photo tools in mm-hmm. shortcuts and like especially manipulation of files like photo files conversion of files like kind of the basics that you need and I feel like the third party app developers the you know the photo app developers that have jumped on the shortcuts bandwagon have brought some really impressive additional steps in that you can do with shortcuts and photos.
1: Definitely. So, um, you know, for this, I, I, I definitely focused on looking at shortcuts on the Mac, um, because, you know, we all know that shortcuts on iOS has got a lot of powerful uh, tools in it, but, uh, when it comes to the Mac, uh, I don't know about you, uh, David, but I don't have all of my pictures in photos. Because I have a lot of pictures in other places because they're not photos. They're not part of my photo library. On iOS, it's easy. You take a photo and it goes into your photos library by default. Um, And so, you know, I I always want um, more options. And so I was going through and looking and I have to say Pixelmator Pro definitely gets, um, you know, a a couple of check marks and a gold star in the shortcut sections category because they have. All of the shortcuts actions you know they've got inverting images masking images improving the lighting of images and videos improving hue and saturation cropping getting a person mask from a photo and all sorts of things and bearing in mind this can be combined with all of the photos actions which you know on mac there aren't as many um unfortunately there's selecting photos from your photo library um you know getting the last import getting the latest live photos and so on but um, you know, when you combine that with under the category for um, media, there are image editing options, which aren't photos specific, they're image editing. So there's converting images, filtering images, masking, overlaying or or text on images, resizing, and all of that. You'll find that you can actually just point and click to, to drag a bunch of these things together very quickly. Um, yeah. And you know, especially something like combining images, uh, I often find that um, I need like I'll take like two or three images and I need to stitch them together in some way because, you know, I want to send them to somebody. um, But if I send, you know, if I send in messages to you right now, David, four pictures, they're going to appear as a little stack. um, And if I want to send you pictures like photos, that's great. Um, But sometimes I want something that's a bit more like I've put something together with like an Instagram layout. Um, which actually there is a layout app for Instagram that will let you do some of the fun stuff like this. Um, but honestly, I also just use shortcuts for this most of the time because I can say, hey, combine the images that I've selected in a grid and share. <laughs> and that's it. Um, and, and that can be very nice when you, when you want to share something that's sort of a bit like a scrapbook um, type effect with somebody. Um, and, you know, you can add some text over the top or put an image on top or whatever it is that you want to do um, before you, you then send it on. And it, it's quite nice to be able to do some of the effects or similar things like you get in many social media apps without having to use the social media apps because a lot of them downgrade the quality and so on. So yeah, this is a nice way to uh, keep everything at the highest resolution. All
0: right. You covered a lot there. I want to go back a little bit. The, um, yeah, sure. uh, Pixelmator Pro, uh, several years ago, I just decided I, when they came out with went from Pixelmator, to Pixelmator Pro. I bought it when it came out and I decided I'm not going to like go down the Adobe rabbit hole. I'm not a professional photographer. I just want to use Pixelmator. And boy, has that decision paid off because um, they have been very aggressive about the artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms that of all the photo apps, they're one of the best at that. And as Apple has uh, incorporated machine learning in all its platform on the Apple Silicon chips, not just the Mac, but, you know, definitely on the Mac um, Pixelmator has always seemed to me like one of the companies that's leading the way on taking advantage of that extra Silicon. And so there's a bunch of stuff you can do in Pixelmator Pro to a photo that that normally you wouldn't be able to do to a photo, like you can resize it. You can, um, but when you build, you can build it up in size, but it'll auto fix it. Like you remember um, in old TV shows where they would have like the CIA, and they'd have a mm-hmm. really pixelated photo, and they'd push a magic button, and suddenly the photo was clear. Well, that that's really not possible. I mean, you can't bring resolution to an image that does, doesn't have it. Yeah, yeah. It, well, at least historically, it wasn't possible. <laughs> and uh, the Pixelmator is using machine learning to actually do that. Like, I had some old, cool Star Wars wallpapers I like that were, like, back in the day where, like, 1080 was as big of a resolution as you would ever have on a screen. And and I wanted to use them. And they were, they were simple graphics, but I wanted to use them on my, you know, my big 6K monitor. And I just put in Pixelmator and had it blow it up, and it, it smoothed everything out for me. So... Um, It does all this cool stuff, which is a form of image automation, really. But Mm -hmm. not only can you do that, uh, so I'll call Pixelmator another uh, automation-adjacent app, uh, but you can call all that stuff in shortcuts. And Rose just Mm -hmm. mentioned it in passing, but there on the Mac, if you have Pixelmator Pro installed, you've got an image editing suite built into shortcuts now. And Yeah they took not only did they do like the exotic stuff but they also did stuff like like denoising and stuff like that but they also took the built-in actions and made them better uh like the conversion action for instance i think the pixel one does a better job than the apple one does and like you can tell there's a bunch of people that you know wake up in the morning thinking about images and go to bed thinking about images and they made shortcuts out of their app and it's really impressive. And if you want to do uh, image automation on your Mac, you probably should buy Pixelmator Pro. It's, not a, it's yeah. not a small purchase, but it's a lot less than a subscription to the Adobe Suite.
1: It is. So, What I mean, if, if you only need the Adobe Suite for a month, then you could probably get at least um, Photoshop for, I think it's $9.99 for the month. Um, but Pixelmator is a one-time purchase of $50 and it does go on sale every so often. So uh, definitely worth considering if you need to do uh, image editing of any kind. And I have to say, um, you know, I I really like it as an image editing app. Um, and the fact that it has all the shortcut support as well is, you know, just even better. Um, something else uh, or another app I, sh- I want to mention, because this is perhaps uh, a little more niche, but if you've ever taken a picture and you want to turn it into like an icon, almost like an app icon type thing, um, then there is an app on the Mac um, that I've used for this called image to icon 2 being the number two that has shortcut support. Um, so you can open, um, a, it's, it's, not great shortcut support. You can open it with a certain file or you can set a custom icon, um, as the icon of a file or a folder. Um, but I have to say <laughs> using that one to set something as the icon of a file or a folder is one of the many ways that I do actually use images, um, that I've taken or created in some way, because I like to be able to easily identify things. And especially when you've got like three or four folders in your dock next to the recycling bin or the trash, um, it it's it's really useful to be able to accurately identify them, and uh, what better way than using a picture that you've taken, you know, by yourself or created?
0: Yeah, it allows you to convert anything into an icon. Do you, uh, that? Let's go down that rabbit hole for a second. Do you um uh put icons on a lot of your folders, or is it just the ones on the desktop?
1: Uh, it's primarily the ones that live uh, or get added to my dock, so that I can you know see them see them easily. Uh, but I I do. It, it it depends on the folder. If the folder is going to be around for a while, like the automators folder that I have uh, has the automators icon on it and things like that. Um, so, you know, folders that I'm going to keep, uh, I will customize the image of uh, folders that are mm, maybe it's not so much that I'm not going to keep them, but I'm going to interact with them less. Those uh, I, I, I'll i just, um, you know, I'll just leave as the default folder. Um, and it's also quite handy because this way, if I open the uh, recycling bin trash, um, then I can see at a glance, oh, this one's got a pretty colorful icon. Did I mean to delete that? Um, and so yeah. that, that can be quite a good useful sanity check for that sort of thing uh, when when it's needed, which is honestly not all that often because most of the time uh, things get deleted. It's hazel and hazel doesn't delete stuff that I tell it to keep. Um You know, I try to be smart about these things, but uh, at the same time, you know, it's always good to double check. What about you?
0: I do it occasionally. I used to do it a lot, and I've got out of the habit over the years. And listening to you makes me want to do it more. Um, And the way I used to always do it, so you have to tell me if there's a better way to do it these days, but I used to just do it with the inspector. If you go into the inspector for a folder, you can drag an icon image over the image of the folder, and then boom, you've got a re-iconized folder. Um, yes. I, I, that's how. Yeah, that's the way I always do yeah, it. Yeah, so
1: so that's one way of doing it. Um, I tend to end up using shortcuts because um, image-to-icon explicitly has an action for this yeah. where um, you can set the custom icon of a file or a folder. Um, and so you, you choose whatever it is. Um, and um, you can um, also, like, customize how the image is um, used. So you don't actually have to, like, open the app to do this. You can just be like, okay, here is an image. Set it as like um, a, a USB drive type thing, or a big Sur style app, or an iMessage style thing, or an iOS style icon, and then stick it on this file or folder, and that's it and done. Um, so yeah, I I really like that. Um, you know, I have I have it pop up with a menu so that I can choose like, okay, do I want this as like the image in the center of a folder, um, an engraved image in a folder, which is where it kind of you know takes it and. Well, it, it's it's like it embosses and debosses uh, yeah. parts. Um, I also have some documents, um, and then um, I I tend to have the iOS app icon. Um, I should probably branch out and explore some of these other options because I'm pretty certain Polaroid wasn't there last time I looked. There's also uh, NES and Game Boy cartridges. So you know if you if you want to use a have a cartridge for Nintendo Entertainment System with an image on as one of your folder icons, you can do that, uh, and that's pretty cool to me.
0: So, and the file's called, or the app is called image to icon with no space, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. And I put that in the show notes.
0: All right. Let the record reflect. I, I just bought an app. <laughs>
1: yeah. Excellent. I'm, I'm pleased to hear that.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah to winning. get the pro features, it's nine ninety nine. Easy. Yeah. That's an easy one. Definitely. Some other shortcut stuff I'm doing with uh, images uh, is the, uh, you know, just re- basic resize. Like I... A lot of times I want to upload images to forums, like even the Mac Power Users forum. If you're doing it on your Mac, you can resize it easily. In fact, it does it for you. I find that when I'm pulling images off my phone, sometimes it doesn't. And so I just have a, a quick resize action I run. Um, and on the iPhone version, I'm just using the built-in resizer that is comes with shortcuts. I find that really easy. Um, uh, I used to have one... I used to have a whole series of shortcuts uh, based on screenshots where you could go through and auto delete them, but that's largely not as big of an issue because most of my screenshots are taken on the Mac and we've already talked about how CleanShot X solves that. But um, occasionally, you know, I do run those still, and it's just a filter that goes and looks for all screenshots and lets you select multiple and delete Um, not rocket science, but uh, automation nonetheless.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um so I have another way that I use shortcuts David um yeah. because we we mentioned earlier reference images. Yeah. Um and reference images are great. I love taking reference images. Uh but a lot of the times I don't necessarily actually want to keep those images or I don't necessarily want to put them into particular folders. Yeah. And so I usually use a shortcut to take these reference images and save them straight to a specific album. Smart. Or- Right. Even I don't even say them to an album. Some of the time, I just stick them in this great little app called Yoink.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and Yoink, uh, there's two separate versions of Yoink. There's one on the Mac, um, and then there's one on iOS. And the iOS and iPad one is, you know, a shelf app. And on macOS, it's a, a floating shelf that appears in the bottom left, very conveniently located, right next to where my um, uh, uh, clean shot image preview hovers. So I can quickly drag something into Yoink if I need to keep it around for a little while. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is, this is one of my favorite little tricks of like, I don't need to save this image. So I'll stick it in, in Yoink because, you know, if I'm taking a reference image, for example, how big is my door? Um, then I can use that. And when I'm done with that at the hardware store and I'm like, okay, I've seen it. I bought a hook. I can just delete the image. Um, and you know, that's it it's done and it's gone and I don't have to actually go into the photos app and delete it. And when I'm browsing through photos later, I don't get random pictures of doors with tape measures uh, next to them, Uh, which, you know, it's one of those things of there, there are many worse things that you could find browsing through your photo library. I am very sure of that. (laughs) Uh, But at the same time, when you're browsing through, you know, like holiday pictures that you've taken and then you see like the picture of the bus timetable. Yeah. You know, do you want to keep the picture of the best timetable? Now nah, you just needed it while you were there. So I, I'd stick, you know, temporary working items into Yoink.
0: Uh, you know, you, need to that, you gave me a great idea, Rose. I need to make an automation. Walk me through this, how you would do it. Um, All right. Uh, uh, I, as part of my day one journal, I every day have a, a journal called Meditations. And uh, I, I subscribe to Readwise, which is an excellent service that connects with my Amazon Kindles. And anything I highlight in my books I read will show up randomly. It's a spaced repetition system. And so what I'll do on a daily basis is I go through ReadWise, on, usually on the iPad because I, I do it when I do my journal on the iPad. And I'll say, oh, you know, I'll just go through. There's 10 of them I go through every day. And I'm like, oh, this is a good one. I want to think about this one. And you push the button, it saves it as a screenshot, and then... um you know, As I'm talking, I think I solved it for myself. But it saves it as a screenshot, and then I just import the screenshot in day one. But then I've got all these images in my uh, my photo stream of little quotes because it, it it formats them very nicely. But then I just got mm-hmm. thinking, I bet that share sheet probably lets me send it straight to day one. I don't even need to be putting it in photos at all.
1: Quite possibly. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's de- definitely doesn't. check. Let's say
0: it doesn't. How would you solve it? Hmm.
1: Well, I mean, assuming it's in photos, what I would do is I would have a, a shortcut that you can run that just grabs like the most recent um, photo um, and, um, you know, asks you to confirm uh, and then puts in a day one and delete it, deletes it from photos. Um, but, you know, that, that that's probably what I would do there, um, because assuming that you can just quickly, uh, you know, maybe triple tap on the back of your iPhone or um, run, you know, um, use a, a oh, Gesture, that's the one um, on the trackpad on an iPad, then you can trigger that uh, shortcut very quickly and very easily. Um, And, you know, then, you know, save save an image, save an image, save an image, and then move the image, save an image, move the image. Or you could have one action that you run when you're done with saving, and it asks you to just select the pictures and move them over.
0: Yeah, now I see why I did, wasn't doing the day one thing. I just opened it up because it's like three taps to get to the save to day one and it's one tap uh. to save it. And it's like, it's funny, like as an automator, we go down these rabbit holes. We're like, well, I don't want to tap it three times. I want to tap it once. And then, so the fact that I tap it once means that I need to write an automation and I need to do library maintenance. And it's just like getting back to the whole thing. The best way to automate files is not to have them. And mm-hmm. why don't I just tap three times? And that, you know, it, it really takes like five seconds to do that. Yeah. Um, and that's much less time than it would take to run a shortcut and definitely much less time than it would take to uh, create and debug one. So, yeah, I uh, I feel like, yeah, I, I, I am sometimes my own worst enemy when it comes to this stuff.
1: Well, I think it's one of those things as well where um, I'm sure um, some of the folks listening will have had this experience before, uh, where you uh, you end up being making your own worst enemy of yourself, especially when it comes to something like image automation, because you have a bunch of stuff backed up that you need to go back and deal with. Yeah. Um. And so, um. You know, I have uh, a couple of um recommendations if it comes to something like that where you've got you know a lot of images to deal with. Uh. You know, first of all, I would just do. Um, basic g- rough grouping of like, this appears to be the pictures that I took while I was on holiday slash vacation in X, Y, Z place. Um, or these were all the pictures that I took of this, um, and just do it visually. And then you can go through, um, with your leftovers and, and see what, see what happens. Um, but I definitely recommend starting a little manual before you, before you dive into the automation there. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Setup. With all the tools available to us now, looking for something new to improve the way we work can feel like drowning in an ocean of different apps and services. There are just so many on the market now, and not all of them are worth your time and money. And what's more, so many of us are paying for apps and services that have never properly integrated into our workflows. So how do you know which apps are worth trying without emptying your wallet on subscriptions that you might forget to cancel in the future? The answer is setup. up. Setup is a platform that combines more than 230 powerful macOS and iOS apps and tools under one $9.99 subscription. Their selection of apps is super helpful for people to use their Macs to work, covering complete use cases like coding, designing, project and time management, and more. Once subscribed, you get full access to all paid features of these apps, as well as new apps that are constantly being added. So you'll always be sure you're not missing out on anything that can actually help you do your work more efficiently, all for just a fraction of the price. Setup is a smart way to get apps for people who create value with the help of their Apple devices. It takes away the, of, of the pain of looking up, comparing, buying, and managing separate apps, and they partner with some of the world's best developers to handpick the most trustworthy and advanced paid apps for Setup. One of the things I love about Setup is realizing that I have a bit of a hole in my workflow, and it's not a big enough hole that I'd necessarily go and pay however much money for, for an app that, I just want to try out, but the free trial doesn't really let you do a lot. But there's something in setup that solves it perfectly. And I found a number of these tools in various different ways on setup because they solve my problems. Like, for example, Heat. I usually use OmniFocus for much of my task management. But if I've got a lot of complex interdependent things, TaskEat, that's the one I go to to solve this problem. And I found it on setup. If I need to access and manage some database stuff, SQL Studio Pro. That's on Setup as well. So you should try Setup if, you know, you need to get some more apps and you are probably using some of these already. You know, we've mentioned Setup on the show a couple of times today because there's a number of great apps on there and, you know, it's going to be cheaper to get Setup than to go and buy every single app that we talk about here. Setup makes sure to remove outdated tools to keep the collection up to date with the best software around. If you've got a complex task to solve, you can delve into the app collections and for peace of mind, every app is updated automatically with no annoying ads to distract you. And you can uninstall and install apps with a single click. Check out Setup today by trying it out for seven days for free. Go to stpp.co slash automators. That's stpp.co slash automators to try it completely free for seven days. Setup powers you up. Our thanks to Setup for their support of this show and Relay FM.
0: All right. Before the break, we were talking about automating, you know, library maintenance. And uh, you said, well, the first step is let's go through it manually a bit. Um, But there are tools you can use to go through and do a better job with automation uh, Mm -hmm. when you want to go through and kind of like cull the herd of your library. Um, There's been a couple apps over the years where they allow you to just swipe. Like you can flip through them like one of those dating apps and, you know, you can swipe to delete or or swipe to keep, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's just getting rid of your images. Uh the the problem with that I always find is that you don't know cuz I think like a lot of people when I'm at a family event and we've got a group of six people together, I want I'll take like 10 pictures because I don't know which one, you know, my mother-in-law was had her eyes closed on or the kid was looking the other direction or whatever. Um, so I, I would like to be able to pick from them, but just using one of those quick swipe apps doesn't really do it justice.
1: Well, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, and so the reason why I say it doesn't, it doesn't is because, uh, an app that I mentioned briefly at the top of the show, Gemini by Mac Paul actually does this. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned it in the context of duplicates and it is great for finding, you know, like this is an exact copy of that, but it's also great for going, Hey, burst mode or you know these pictures were taken within two minutes um and it is very good for helping you find you know the one where everybody's got their eyes open um so that you can actually pick the right one there and i feel like that is always a a good starting point
0: you are so ahead of me rose because that that was exactly where i was gonna go because you can get gemini as part of your setup subscription it sounds like i'm in the bag for setup because they're sponsoring the episode but honestly they're not in fact i forgot they were the sponsor when i just brought that up but either way. It really is way more powerful than the duplicate finder that that Apple gives you because exactly what Rose said. It actually uses um, computer smarts to pick pictures for you. Generally, I find it does a pretty good job.
1: Yeah, it it is very good um, at that. And I I have to say, you know, I... I, I find it to be a very useful tool for things like this. And you may think that you've got a very cur- well-created photos library. And if you, if you do, congratulations. I'm, I'm very happy for you. But for most of us, I think we'll find if we download this. And to be clear, you don't have to use Setup for this. You can just download the app and um, get it separately or use the free trial. Um, and, you know, give the free trial a go, even if you think your photos library is perfectly curated. And you may find some surprises in there that you, you want to go ahead and tidy up. So yeah, I, I definitely look into it for that.
0: If you, if you are the person with the disorganized library, this app is going to be a godsend to you because it will really help you try and make sense out of the chaos that is your library.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, that, that sort of thing is pretty good. I have to say, um, another thing I'm going to recommend, which is not exactly an automation, um, but it's, it's worth looking at is, uh, in photos, um, when you you look at your library, if you, instead of doing, looking at all photos, you switch to the days view, then you'll find that it actually, you know, hides a bunch of the things that you are perhaps less interested in. Um, only enough scrolling back, David, uh, I have... Um, Lots of pictures of food, including chocolate cake of various kinds. I've been experimenting with the new chocolate brownie recipe recently. Um, and then lots of pictures of gardens and flowers. So, you know, that's probably a pretty good summary of uh, me and my life. Um, but if I go to all photos, then it includes things, you know, this random screenshot of shortcuts that I took that I probably didn't want to keep. Um, and so I'm actually going to go ahead and delete that. But, you know, the, you, can, you can actually just kind of hide some of the mess from yourself um, and albums will do the same thing. So that's definitely worth remembering.
0: What about the problem, Rose, of taking images and gluing them together? That's another one that apps have come in to automate for us.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned earlier shortcuts can do this. um, And it is very, very good for doing that. Um, uh, So you can can lay things out and you can stick them together horizontally. You can stick them together vertically or stick them together in a grid. Um, And if you need to get kind of fancy with how you're doing something, then you can you know, lay out the first two horizontally and the next two horizontally and then stick those two together vertically in a grid of some kind. Um, Another app which I'm going to recommend is actually the Layout app by Instagram. Um, Now, this um, is not necessarily the best or the smartest app, but essentially you, you select a couple of pictures and then it gives you a couple of different layout options where it can do like just... So I've selected four images right now, and it's offering me a four-up grid. It's offering me like four narrow horizontal options, uh, one big picture at the top and three smaller images at the bottom, four vertical skinny images, one big one on the left, three small one on, ones on the right, and then that sort of thing in various other layouts. Um, and that's pretty good, I have to say. Um, you know, it's not perfect, um, but it, it's a good starting point. Um, And that's definitely one that I use from time to time. Um, And you don't need to have the Instagram app to use this, to be clear. It's just, you know, a free app for download on the App Store. But another one that I use, um, and this is probably because I take so many screenshots, David, that Pixo, P-I-C-S-E-W. It is one of my best friends when it comes to screenshots, especially screenshots where it doesn't quite fit on one screen or I want to tidy up my menu bar at the top so it'll like replace the battery with full battery and change the time and hide my focus mode uh, icon um, and wrap a little device frame around it. But also it can just be really good for, hey, I want to stitch these two images together. So I take, you know, two potentially unrelated screenshots um, and then I select them in Pixo. So it can't auto-stitch them because it can't find any common ground between them. But I can just tap on, you know, like the, 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 the line where, you know, they've been stacked on top of each other. Um, stacked is perhaps the wrong word. Placed vertically uh, adjacent to one another. And then I can like scroll the top one down and the bottom one up. And so that I have, you know, uh, a nice uh, layout of whatever it is that I wanted. And that's definitely uh, something that I recommend.
0: Yeah, that and that is the app to use. Pixo. I I tried others, and there was a time when there were three or four contenders, and then Pixo just kind of pulled forward. And it's great. A, a great use for this is if you do a lot of presentation work, or you make um, like reports, like, and you want to put images in them and have them uh, tapped together. It, it gives you a usable image that's great. Uh, I like to use it sometimes when I do presentations, and then I will uh put the entire image in and then I'll duplicate the image in keynote and use magic move to be able to kind of move between places in the larger image as I as I speak. And it's a it's a boss move. Everybody always like, oh how do you do that? And it's really Pixo plus Magic Move.
1: Yes. One thing I will say if you've not downloaded Pixo before you have and you've you know maybe not used it in a while is in Pixo, go to the settings, go to the export preferences and turn on prefers saving as PNG. Um, and the reason why I say this is because if, like me, you like to use the device frames for these images, if you do not turn on saving as PNG, then it will save uh, those images with a device frame on top as a JPEG, which means it's got a white background that you then want to go and remove afterwards. So if you just do the PNG, then you'll you'll save yourself um, a little bit of uh, time. You can also enable high lossless compression. You can save things specifically to a PIXO album um and you can set the um image dimensions for things there's also like you can customize a default watermark um and um there's also under the smart recognition you can turn on what you want smart recognition to do so do you want it to auto stitch recent screenshots auto remove the scroll bar and auto clean the status bar um and then you can also say okay in the status bar I want the uniform time so that'll be 9:41 um original time blank or custom text and if you put custom text in, then you can you can have whatever you want, including emoji, um, which can look a little odd, but, you know, it it, it works. Um, and yeah, there's, you know, there's a bunch of options in here. And it's something that I find incredibly useful. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't have shortcut support, but it does have URL actions. Um, and so, you know, you, you can use it through that. Um, but I also find I don't feel like I'm missing anything without having shortcut support Uh, just because the process of stitching images together does tend to be a little manual um, at least. So, yeah.
0: Another category of automation that arose this past year is removing backgrounds. Uh, It used to be such a tedious process to remove a background from an image and it just got progressively easier. You know, at one point, Apple, Apple made the alpha removal tool that they've incorporated into Keynote and Pages and Preview. Um, but then, third-party apps like Pixelmator Pro got even more advanced to where, like, individual strands of hair don't get removed. But, like, it's very good. And then Apple went real mainstream with it last year when they made the feature where you can go in the Photos app and just drag like your dog out of a picture and it just gets your dog without the couch in the background. But this, the Shortcuts team is never going to let something like that happen without getting their hands on it. And uh, there are uh, Shortcuts actions now that allow you to remove the background. And you can do that with automation now, which is kind of fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is really good fun. Um, And I have to say, you know, it is one of those things where you may not think, um, you know, think that this is particularly useful. And then uh, I can't remember what it was I was doing the other day, but I'd ended up. Oh, that was it. Um, My parents were looking to put some things on eBay. Um, and so I just took some pictures of stuff um, and we laid it out on a nice plain background that was or relatively plain. It was carpet. Um, and so I took the pictures and then just for fun, I ran them through a shortcut, which picked out the subject and just, you know, sent just the subject of the pictures to my parents. And that's the ones that they ended up using because, um, you know, they it, it just removed the background entirely for them. And it looked pretty good, I have to say. So. You know, it's, it's something you may not think that you need all that often. And, you know, I'm not going to say that you do need it all the time, but it's definitely, definitely worth considering.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so easy now. And I wonder if that feature is used as much, I mean, when the, is used as much now as it was when the feature first released. Like, I'm not sure it's kind of gone viral the way Apple probably wanted it to, but it is very nice to be able to, to drag the background off an image and like send it to somebody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how often it's used either, but you know what? I also don't really mind as long as there there's, you know, at least a couple of people using it so that the shortcuts team gets some stats feedback of like, yeah, we did this. You, you did a good job. Um, so, you know, all good. All good there.
0: So years ago, I made a um, a location removal shortcut. And basically, whenever you convert an image in shortcuts, uh, you have the option to remove metadata and i always thought that was a nice way like if you have a picture of yourself at your house and you want to send it to somebody but you don't want them to be able to see where it was taken uh it's just a conversion image shortcut and uh but it is converting the image at the same time but that's fine i'm putting it into jpeg it's not a big deal it causes some degradation the more you convert an image and i got thinking beforehand how are you doing or do you have a shortcut for that these days and if so how are you doing it
1: so I don't have uh, a shortcut for this, Um, but that's not necessarily because I don't need one. But I think over time, um, app developers have become very aware that this is something that people are concerned about. Um, And also uh, more regulation has come in to say that, you know, app developers need to protect people from themselves um, and from accidentally, you know, revealing public information. So I tend not to worry about this too much. Um, And instead... Uh, what what I do is I just let the apps handle it um, because uh, I found a lot of the time if you try and upload something somewhere um, then not only will the um, the uh, app um, you know remove this metadata um, they'll also do things like remove the metadata like which devices was taken on and things like that yeah. and they'll scale it down um, because they don't want to be uploading a full version and they're usually not always but usually going to do the scaling down. On your local device so that then you don't have to upload the big file because it's upload that's that's more difficult with this stuff. So I tend not to worry about that, um, though. Uh, I did realize the other day when I was at a, a local burger joint uh, and I was taking a picture. I, I put, shared a picture on Instagram uh, of their wall. It was an Instagram story, folks, so it's disappeared. But they have a, a Ghostbusters skateboard um, of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Uh, and it's okay. amazing um <laughs> but i was like actually you know what i'm not going to tag this with my location because this is surprisingly close to my house yeah uh, it's not somewhere i go very often but i was like yeah i'm, I'm not going to tag it so that that tends to be the kind of thing that i'm doing there rather than uh worrying about the location embedded inside of an image um but i think ios is fairly good at, at not sharing that with with people um you know like unless you have full access to uh the photos. Um, so I guess my you-
0: question would be: Do does messages strip that data when you send somebody a message? I don't think it that does. That is a good
1: question. We will have to test it after the show and yeah. find out.
0: If it doesn't, what I would recommend is making a, a quick shortcut to message a photo, so you could just have it remove. You could strip the data with the convert image action. And then open a new message, and then it just gives you a way to kind of like sanitize that. I mean, it's not really an issue for me, but if I was like younger and in the dating scene, and like maybe messaging somebody that you know I may be interested in, but I don't necessarily want to give them my location just yet. um, That I'm just thinking of scenarios like that. It's a it's a weird world we live in, gang.
1: It it is, um, and uh, I think it's one of those things where a lot of the time, if somebody's doing something like that, uh, there's probably going to be uh, an app involved that's removing that image instead of using the Messages app. Uh, but you never know.
0: This episode of the Automators is brought to you by Network to Code. Just go to go.networktocode.com/automators network to code is a leading provider of network automation solutions. They help companies transform the way their networks are deployed, managed, and consumed through a combination of software and services. In short, they bridge the gap between DevOps and network engineering. network to code is also the proud sponsor of the Nordobot project. Nordobot is a free and open source network source of truth and network automation platform. And that's Nordobot, as in network automation bot. In case you were wondering, it's the network CDMB you wish you'd always had. Are you struggling to manage the network inventory? Are you using spreadsheets to manage your network data? Do you wish you had a better solution built to drive network automation? If so, you've got to check out Nordobot. Everything from inventory, IP addresses, VLANs, and even routing protocols and firewall policies can be stored and modeled. Nordobot is the authoritative source of truth for the network. Not only does Nordobot help you manage your data, but it has a rich developer API and ecosystem of apps that actually do network automation. Nordobot apps are also free and open source. You can use them to do things like network backups, config compliance, model firewall policies, and much more. Network automation begins with data. Get control of your data and take back control of your network with Nordobot. Ready to explore Nordobot? Head over to go.networktocode.com slash automators to learn more about all things Nordobot. That's go.networktocode.com slash automators and our thanks to Network to Code for their support of the automators. All right, Rose. Let's set set aside images for a minute. I need to talk to you about something. <laughs> I've been having right. a lot of fun. I know this is beta. It's not out for everybody yet, but there is a public beta of it available. But the shortcuts team did it again. They added something cool. And uh, in the 16.4 beta, they've added an intercom action um, where you can send text to your HomePod. And you know, historically, if you wanted, as part of your shortcut, your HomePod to yell something at you, it was a mess. You had to like create an audio file and then save it to your music library. At least this is the way I did it. And then you would have it play that song. I'm holding up air quotes as I say song, which was totally nuts. And it was not dynamic. It had to be pre recorded. Whereas now, You can have it generate text, you know, tell you what the temperature is or whatever. And then like the morning routine scripts, we've talked about that often, you know, giving me the morning report. Well, you can have it just feed that to the intercom now action and speak it to you dynamically. And you can have it pick which which HomePods get it. And um, I've been Mm -hmm. having a good time playing with this. And I feel like this is a big step up for people who have HomePods and want to use automation.
1: I agree. Um and I, I think that this is in particular is very useful for folks uh who are, you know, who, who are essentially just trying to communicate either with themselves or with somebody else. Um so that you can um you know easily share information without having to yell it. And I feel like the intercom feature on the HomePod is something that people don't really talk about all that much, but yeah. essentially what you can do um is say hey Apple lady intercom to your devices and depending on your home settings and, and home pods it can send a message to other people in your HomeKit home kit um, home and but this is really useful because you can intercom to a room you can intercom to a zone or you can intercom to a person um, and so when I tap on the intercom action in shortcuts um, there there's two fields to fill out the first one is whatever you want to say um, and suggested text is dinner is ready um, Uh, But then after that, um, if there is, depending on uh, how many homes you have, um, it it may just say the name of a home um, or, you know, uh, or you can select um, specific areas. So for me, I can select uh, the whole home um, for all of the homes that I'm in, um, or I can select specific rooms. Now, intercom does um, usually allow you to address um, zones um, and so on as well. um, And I don't see those showing up. In my uh, shortcut section, but I also don't actually need to address the zones. I just use the zones for basically these are real places and these are not real places uh, as far as HomeKit is concerned. So I have like the utility zone, uh, which is basically anything that isn't a room. So Christmas is a utility zone. Um, And uh, yeah, and automation is a utility zone. Uh, And the 3D printer is also in the utility zone. Um, But yeah, this is really nice that this is here. And I have been combining this uh, with one of my favorite little uh, widgety apps, Signals for HomeKit. Because uh, this has just made my life much easier. Um, So that when my alarm clock goes off in the morning and then I hit snooze, I get the flashing lights. And I also get intercom specifically to the bedroom in this case going... You should probably get up. It's X Y Z time, um, and I've put it put the actual time in there because if you hit the snooze a couple of times, or you know you have variable alarms on different days, you probably need to know what the time is uh, if you're if you're struggling to get up in the morning. Um, so yeah, that that's definitely something I've been playing with, and I'm finding it really useful, and hopefully other people will as well.
0: Yeah, and um and and I like the idea that you know you can. The action has text you can fill in, but you can also just call a variable. So you can generate text as part of your shortcut and then send it. Um, Like a couple examples right now, I've got it giving me text every day at 4.30 p.m. telling me it's time to shut down. That's a very simple one. It's using a time-based automation trigger. Um, I'm also perfecting one where if I'm working in the garage and Daisy comes home because they're not connected to the front door, I like to know she came home, you know, so it tells me when the front door opens uh, when I'm in the other room. Uh, so just like stuff like that. It's it's simple shortcuts, but, you know, that's kind of the idea of shortcuts anyway. And by allowing you to send addressable text to a HomePod, uh, you can make it easier on yourself and you can make it easier on the people with you.
1: Yes. Uh, and that's definitely something that I feel like uh, everybody will appreciate.
0: Or even like I could make it do one where when I'm leaving on my way home, I could I can address the home pod remotely. So I can I can just make a shortcut rather than texting her, I'm on my way and I'll be there in so many minutes. Uh if you're with somebody who doesn't check their phone often, you can have the home pod yell it out for you. And that's kind of nice too. Um yeah. it, it is on the phone and iPad now. It's not on the Mac, the action. I'm not sure why I feel like it should be. But you know, I guess we'll figure it out.
1: Yes, I'm sure we will. And um, I think it's it's one of these things as well where um, it, it it depends on what kind of automation you are uh, creating or running um, as to you know what it is that you you want or need from this. Um, so I I, I personally um, have found that this makes a lot more sense in my personal automations rather than the HomeKit automations. Um, but it sounds like you've been you've been finding both of them to be to be useful, David.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think it's a good, it's a good step and I'm glad they didn't hold it back for the next major release. It's, you know, I I'm really happy when I see the HomePod team pushing through stuff like this.
1: Yes. though so I have to say, um, so I was, I was thinking, Oh, actually I have an idea for something that I'd like to use. Um, one of the HomeKit automations converted to a shortcut for, and I don't see the home, the, the intercom action, in the HomeKit shortcuts actions, David, are you seeing it there? Is that just my phone and I need to restart because this does happen every once in a while? Or is it maybe only available uh, in, uh, you know, your personal shortcuts?
0: Yeah, it has to be through your personal shortcuts. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. That makes sense. Cool. Then uh, back to my PushKit automation server so it is.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You know, cut continues to prove its value. Well, either way, there we go, talking about uh, image automation and some nice updates coming for us with shortcuts. Uh, we are the Automators Podcast. You can find us at relay.fm slash automators. We'd love to have you join us on the forums at auto, uh, talk.automators.fm. Thank you to our sponsors, Issue, ExpressVPN, Expander, and Setup, and we'll see you next time.
1: Goodbye, folks.